today's episode is sponsored by caffeine. You know, I was um, trying some, I had some caffeine pills. Oh, how'd you like that? You know, they were pretty good. I actually, I know some people that uh, <laughs> when they were in college, they, they would take caffeine pills and drink caffeine water. Like, what? It's a, a bottle of water that you could get at, like, Kroger. That's just caffeinated? Just, yeah, like, like two or three hundred milligrams of caffeine. Just, like, why not do drugs at that point, you know? <laughs> why, <laughs> why am I beating around the bush? Yes. I have a problem, and I... <laughs> and no, no, it's not, I don't have a problem. I just do caffeine pills, and I drink caffeine water. Yeah, I just line up caffeine on the table, and I store the caffeine up. And then I pee pure caffeine, and then drink that. And it, but I don't want to lose the caffeine, that's why I do it. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just conserving. <laughs> conserving the caffeine. All right. Welcome to another episode of Strong Talk. And today we are joined by the... Um, oh, no, 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 no. I have it. I have it. I have it. No, I got it. Okay. Uh, okay. Today we are joined by the nefarious never say die, Nick Height. Nick. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. That's all of our subscribers. Yeah. <laughs> that one, the one lone voice in the back. Yeah. Yeah. What's up? I've been waiting yeah. on this. Yeah. Nick, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Mitch? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So here's a fun little factoid for all of our listeners. We, not together, but we're just in Colorado at the exact same oh, time yeah. skiing. Yeah. Yeah. We were literally miles away from each other. Yes. And I don't mean hundreds of miles. I mean like... like Less, maybe 10 miles. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Less, maybe. If that, or yeah. less than. Yeah. Um, do you ski or snowboard? Um, well, I, until this trip, had never done either. But on this trip, I made the decision to ski. However, yes. looking back on it now, I think I think I want to pick up snowboarding. I think yeah, I could I, do it. I, I, I had the exact same thought. Did, did I, you ski? I skied as well. And okay. for the, I've been, I've been snow sporting. <laughs> I love three that. three times Ooh. before this, once was ski, and the other two times was snowboarding. Okay, and so I've got I received I received formal training in did snowboarding. Did you um, like, did you like go like get lessons and have an instructor and everything? Yes, yes. Well, I mean, for maybe like you know a I couple like a couple hours. Yeah, just yeah. like a couple hours, yeah, and yeah. they're like, all right, you're off. I'm going to the mountain. Yeah, you know, yeah, like a 14 year old just like not knowing how to stop. That going was down that was me the first run of the day. Yes. I was terrified. Do you have any like first run experiences? Because my first run was yes. accidental and horrifying, <laughs> of going down a so you like you know how the, the mountains are yes. graded. So you have your mm-hmm. green, your blue, your black, and then yes. you got black diamonds and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So my group we accidentally made our way to a lift that only took you to a blue and a black. And oh, I got no. separated from the group going up, so I was on my own lift yes. with with one other person. <laughs> and I I was this guy's making small talk with me and he's like, Hey, how's it going? I was like, Oh good, it's it's actually my first time skiing today. <laughs> me, I'm all like giddy, excited. And he looks at, looks me dead in my eyes and he goes, Oh, that's not good. And I was like, "What? I thought I thought he was." I was like, ah. "Oh, you've messed up." Yeah. You've messed oh up no, bad. no. He said, th- "He said th- yes. this is not good. You shouldn't be up here. Oh. This there's no beginners here." And I didn't know what he meant until I started watching the face of the mountain that we were ascending <laughs> just, just get steeper deeper. and steeper and oh, steeper. <laughs> and I and I I was trying to reason with myself. I was like, "Okay, I I bet this will level off, and then we'll find a place to be able to go down safely." Yes. 
we got off the lift. Also, let me mention his parting words. I asked him, I said, do you have any tips for getting off the lift? And he said, keep your skis straight and get out of the way. Oh, and so no. I, I just, yeah, I mean, I did that. I, it worked. And then, yeah, we, we, I rounded this corner around the lift. And that was when we saw the signs were only blues and black. So me just being the ambitious person I yes, am, I was like, the never, just, the never say die. Exactly. Yes. I, uh, I was like, okay, I'm just going to figure this out. So I start heading down the nearest blue and I'm immediately going Mach five. Oh my like God. my hair's on fire. My clothes came off. <laughs> I, I'm going the fastest I have ever moved outside of a vehicle in my life. And so I'm like trying to calm myself down whilst moving 9,000 miles an hour. Oh and I just, I'm like, okay, well, I've seen videos of people doing this. So I yes. just cut really hard. Like I do, I do what I was told was called a skater stop. Yes. And I just, yeah, turned really hard and it worked. And that was the last successful thing that happened on the face of that yeah. blue. Because after that, I think I like <laughs> lost my momentum. And yeah, and then it was got to the point that I t ended up taking my boots off for a minute and or uh, took the skis off yes. and was walking in knee-high snow <laughs> for a, for just, like the better part of I would say a mile. It might have been like three quarters of a mile, just down. You know, and you know, for everyone passing you by, it's like this yeah. guy's had a hard day. Because if you're walking down the side of a mountain, yeah. it's like decisions they, have been not, made. Not only was it is this guy having a hard day, but it was this guy really messed up because we were the we were the first group to get lifted oh, up. Oh no! So oh, this is no. this is like at exactly eight thirty in the morning. We're like we're gonna ski all day, yes. and the first run of the day, I'm like, nope, not. But after that, it was it was successful. So oh my gosh, great! I, yeah, but I think I think next trip might involve some snowboarding. I think, yes, I think that might be the uh, the task of the next. Yeah. Adventure down a mountain. I think the most disappointing thing, well, number one, how we started my ski venture. <laughs> I got off of the lift and there was a child in front of me trying to move. So I, I got Just off of the lift it. and no, I got off the lift and was like, child. So then I cut and fell flat on my face. <laughs> and so I embarrassed myself in front of these ski lift operators. She's like, come on, just get up and go. Get, get up and get go. Out of the way, move, get out of the way. Yeah. way. So I was like, thank you, sir. Thank yeah. you for all your help. And then I proceeded to fall at least once every time I went down the mountain. Yeah. But the most disappointing thing was I had a good run. I felt really good. I was like, oh, man, I'm picking up some speed. I'm going really fast. Yeah. And um, Kelsey was recording me, and I watched the video, and I'm going what looks like maybe two miles an hour. <laughs> I'm just like, dude. Oh yeah, it's the false sense. Like you're like, I'm doing it. Oh yeah. If if you had seen me, so I I trained somebody that is an avid skier competitively. Like they they have they grew up in the mountains competitively skiing their whole life, and I I was showing them how I was learning to move my feet because on my first trip down the mountain I did you know, pizza or pizza French fry. Yeah. Okay. Pizza so, so I did yeah. pizza and I didn't turn my feet. So all that I was doing was just turning my skis and going really fast, <laughs> just in a triangle instead of <laughs> with narrow. So that took me a while, but then it got to the point where I was like hilariously spread in the most aggressive pizza, like knees yes. almost touching the snow just because I was momentarily terrified for my life to go down the mountain because I knew at any moment I could go 150 miles an hour and I had no idea my hips were that 
flexible and mobile in that oh. angle. And I was yeah. like, oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe I can do the splits. Yeah, no, yes. yeah. It definitely gives you some, uh, a, a new perspective. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, you are an active person in, outside yeah. of skiing. You're, uh, yeah. you're an absolute failure at skiing. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not going to say I'm the best at it. But it's... Uh, is this how you got into fitness and personal training was through sport or did, was it always a love of working out that then translated into this? Um, I think, I think they both kind of had their own, own part to it. I think I, I definitely had a love and appreciation for it. And I think the love actually is what brought me back into it. So for a long time, I, I mean, I played every sport you could imagine growing up. It was whatever, whatever season was involved is whatever I was playing. So, um, that that definitely drew the just attraction to physical fitness and movement and how to find ways to you know just better yourself in an, in a very encompassing you know way just mentally physically um, and then I, I think for a long time I had it ingrained that I needed to succeed in a different profession but mm. just had to like pocket my love for fitness you know what i mean and so for you know for a while it was i i had intended in um going to law school and um bec becoming a career politician and doing stuff like that oh it was yeah it was for real mapped out ready to go and i i remember my senior year of high school i last minute called an audible and uh, completely shifted where I intended to go to school and changed my degree track. And I, I just kind of realized, you know, okay, I love fitness and I love what um, the possibilities are with this field. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I got the courage at a young age to, to make the decision that I was going to do what I loved and mm -hmm. not make my passion something that I was going to put in the back seat. It was just something that I think over and over with mentors and coaches and people that I listened to and was, um, th that were helping lead me into the next phase of my life, um, coming out of high school and, you know, just going into college and then the professional world, um, just over and over, I heard you, you have to do what you love. You have to do what you love. You have to do what you love. And it, it really made me reflect on the decisions that I was making and, the path that I was taking to who I was going to be. And mm -hmm. so I think, I think my participation in sports definitely built the love, but the love that I have for sport definitely led me into the field of training and, mm -hmm. you know, what I, what I'm studying in school and then also what I intend to do uh, post-grad. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of how it all fell together. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank Two you. part question. Yeah. What are other times in your life when you've felt the almost uncontrollable urge to take your own life by the reins and sort of, you know, as the saying goes now, follow your bliss or follow that thing that may not, that everyone around you is sort of telling you or either not telling you to do or do something else, but you're saying, yeah. no, this is that, what are those other moments in your life where you've really had to take your own life by the reins and remind yourself that you are the master of your own fate? Yeah. And then second part of that question, how would you tell someone how to do that? If someone came to you and said, Nick, man, yeah. I'm really struggling. I, I don't know what my purpose is. How do I how do I capitalize on the things that I love and turn that into a life mission or a purpose? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think on the first end of it, um, 
it's happened a lot. Um, and I would say that there are still things that I am struggling to grasp that I know I should, but there's still that, um, I, I, I would consider it the, the inevitable fear of um, loss or failure. And it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's something that I battle with all the time, but I think very specific moments um, was the one that I just described in you know the, the previous question, which was um, grasping the reality that initially I was intending to go to the United States Naval Academy. I had spent so much time building a resume for it, uh, you know, going through my acceptance, dealing with uh, what's called a blue and gold officer, mm. uh, who's somebody that kind of guides you through the process of getting in because it's a very it's a very rigorous, very competitive process. Uh, and I think going through all that and then realizing that it wasn't what was going to make me happy. Um, you know, I talked to my parents and they supported me doing whatever made me happy. And so I made the transition to go to Texas A&M with a bunch of my friends. Um, I think that was an initial grabbing life by the reins. But then when I got to Texas A&M and realized that there were other opportunities elsewhere that I felt very compelled to pursue. Um, for example, um, and, and you may know this, but I, for the longest time, w was set to play college football. Mm -hmm. It was my intent at the U.S. Naval Academy. It was my intent when I went to Texas A&M. Um, in the spring of 2019, I was given an opportunity from my head coach who had put me in touch with the recruitment from UNT football mm -hmm. um, and basically said, look, they, um, there's a possibility that you can make roster over there. And uh, how bad do you still want to play football? And so I made the decision to leave Texas A&M. I left all my friends. And it was, you know, everybody Everybody definitely was a little surprised at first because they were like, this, this is such a good school. You worked so hard to get here. But I knew that I wanted to pursue that passion. And so I went after it. And um, things happened because of COVID. And so I didn't end up staying uh, like affiliated with the team to be able to play in the following season but it ended up being such a tremendous tremendously beneficial decision it put me in a great position for my schooling uh, I made a, a, a bunch of awesome friends it taught me a lot about myself in my independence um, and so yeah and just there's just been moments over and over one of the most recent ones that led me to Fort Worth Strong was after being told um, from a a previous place that I was training at that I was not going to be able to do any better and that um, essentially I was told that just my training road was up and you know as a I, I was a 19 year old 20 year old kid just being told that what they loved was not going to be able to be pursued or fulfilled if in, unless I did it exactly where I was um, that was a huge jump too just coming here and not knowing what it was going to hold, but just feeling like that this was a decision to make. Um, and so leading that in to the second question that you had, what, how, how would I tell somebody else to do that? That is, um, it's tough. I think that telling somebody their purpose and letting them find their purpose are two different things. And I think people struggle with it all the time of somebody telling them, well, you're, you're good at this. You need to do that. And I think that if I were to give any advice within that, it's find, find your network, find the people that care about you, 
find somebody maybe to bounce the ideas off of. I know that at least for me personally, I made a lot of these decisions on my own, but it really helped having something other than the voices in my own head helping me guide in the decisions. Mm -hmm. um, but I think as far as finding your passion, I, it, I think it just has to be something that comes from within. I think it just comes from exploring the world that we live in mm. um, and just being open to opportunities. It, it's one of those things, it's, it's so terrifying and it thrills me every time I do it mm. because nothing in this world is guaranteed. And so I think the more that you are willing to find ways to identify with yourself and realize that time spent doing something is not wasted if you don't allow it to be. And that, that, that might be kind of long-winded, long but what I mean by that is I know so many people that I'm personally close with that have these incredible ambitions and dreams and ideas and they're, they're scared to pursue them because of the unknown that is their passion, but also because of they feel like that if they leave what they're putting time into now, that it was time wasted. And the perspective that I have is that every interaction that you have with people and every setting that you're in, it, it's all a learning opportunity. So if you decide one day that you love making music or you love art or you love craftsmanship and, and want to dedicate your time and energy into doing something, but you're, you're scared because you went to school to be an accountant or, you know, maybe you already have a really successful job and you work, you know, as an engineer or something like that. I, I, I don't think that you have to completely uproot in that second, but I think you need to reflect on, okay, what are the things that I love? Am I, do I, am I happy in my life right now? Am I putting myself in a position to enjoy my life? You know what I mean? I think the, the more that people can make a, a push to think about themselves and realize that it sounds so cliche, but this is the only life that we get to live. Mm -hmm. So you cannot waste it in hopes of pleasing other people. And you're going to, I think everybody fulfills many roles in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just one of those things that if you can just get a perspective for understanding that you're going to spend time in different places and you learn to grow from each and every one of them that, you know, the, the journey continues and you can find that passion. Hot damn. You know, that's <laughs> just like one of those, ah, ah, it's great. I'm so glad you brought it up because this is something I've been in struggling with immensely yeah. in the, in the past couple of days. Well, weeks. Um, so, but yeah, absolutely. All of that, all yeah. of that being true. Do you think mentors are merit-based or temporal-based? What I mean by that? Someone who has a very stacked resume, but they may be a younger person, or someone who has spent their life or had a, um, maybe a more steady sort of career, but over a long period of time. So basically the difference between a sprint and a marathon. Yeah. Do you find that there is, I shouldn't say that there is an empirical one or the other, in the past, both the mentors that you've gravitated to and the way you mentor other people, do you have a preference? I think personally, um, I, I feel like the 
you know, in how you put it, I think the marathon path has maybe had a deeper impact for me. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of mentors who, and granted, were were very, um, you know, recognized because of their merit. Mm-hmm. But along with that, I think that a lot of the really good mentorship that I've been given in a, a variety of settings has been given off of the fact that the the people that I went seeking advice from did have a lot of experience in um, both life and also the things that um, I was asking them about. You know, I think that there is there's a lot to be said about merit, absolutely, but I think that there is even more so a lot to be said about the experiences and the learning processes that occur with just doing things. Um, you know, for example, there, I, I think just like looking specifically even in our own world of training, um, there are, you know, a ton of different certifications that you can receive. And a lot of them are, are phenomenal programs. But at the same time, you have to know how to apply the information. And there's a lot to be said for somebody who has succeeded um, in life, in their practice, in their passions, because of, you know, trial and error and, you know, again, applying themselves, applying the information um, versus just having something that says, I know a lot about this. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it definitely comes twofold. And, and like I said just a minute ago, I think that more often than not, the people that you find that mm-hmm. are very well merited mm-hmm. also have a lot of that experience. Yeah. Yeah. So it's and I think too that sometimes obviously great athletes a great athlete doesn't mean that they will be a great coach right because I think or uh, I think that is a fantastic point yes or good coaching and to be a good coach I think a coach is like a particular type of job or profession that yeah. does require yeah. time and a constant fine tuning and assessing and reassessing because yeah. it is like any other like a lot of other yeah styles of work it is a form of communication i, I think i think like i love what you just said right there mm-hmm. and it it brought the idea to me that going back to your other question talking about how how would i advise somebody to find their passion mm-hmm. and then even even just now building off of the the mentor question i think one of the biggest things is not allowing yourself to become complacent Mm -hmm. like in in any any field of work there is always something to be learned there's Mm -hmm. always something to be done Mm -hmm. in my opinion and i believe that with guiding somebody to pursue their passion Again, using the example that uh, I used a minute ago, if you're somebody who has a great job and you make the decision that I I want to dedicate my life to creating art, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. But understand that it's not always going to be tremendously easy, Mm -hmm. and it will require, at times, the ability to continue to learn over and over and over again. Mm You know, there's going to be times where you're going to slip and fall. Mm -hmm. Um, But learning from that experience and not becoming discouraged by it, and just like I said, allowing it to be a learning opportunity, allowing every experience and moment in the journey to be a learning opportunity, I think that is what 
helps create the ability to make a life out of your passion. Yeah. I mean, there's always, I think, in every sort of form of media, there is always this type of phrase that is, it's not about getting knocked down or it's not about not getting knocked down. It's what, how do you get up when you get knocked down? Yeah, and exactly. Like, or like I think of, you know, Batman says it, I think Sylvester Stallone even said it in like Rocky. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> oh gosh, a Creed, right? Where he's like, it doesn't matter how you get it. Yeah. You get back up. Yeah. You get back Yeah, for all of our listeners, I, I know we heard that. <laughs> yes, yes. We, we I, will, I will add subtitles we'll, we'll, to that. Yeah, transcript that. <laughs> yes, yes. It will be in the show notes. Um, what do you... What do you do outside of training? Or, I, yeah, what do you do outside of, yeah, the fitness industry? So outside of the fitness industry particularly and, and outside of me working out, um, I currently am a undergrad student um, at University of North Texas. I am completing a Bachelor's of Science in the field of kinesiology and applied exercise physiology. I love because you have a BS in science. Yeah, <laughs> a, a bullshit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that there's that. Um, I recently was brought on to work with a undergrad research position with the university, so I'm excited to do that. Um, other than that, preparing for um, med school. That's that's kind of the in the four year plan. That's but I'm going to challenge you here because even inside of what you're talking about, these are all spheres inside of human movement, human biology. Oh, yeah. Out, yeah. So yeah. outside of, outside outside of, of any of that, of that yes. yeah, outside of any of that, um, a big thing that I've been working on right now has actually been um, a cryptocurrency and NFT project. Mm. So my friends and I have always had a very big interest in the world of sports. Mm -hmm. And we've also always been um, just fascinated with the way that the tech world um, evolves. Mm-hmm and where it can take us. And so we, we, you know, we were sitting around and we were like, man, we, we see all these people that are doing these really interesting, fascinating things. And we, um, we, we decided that there was a gap in this development. And we found that there was a place for us to help develop the combination of people that are interested in the development of things like Web3 and the metaverse and, you know, this whole world that exists online and in integrating that with where people already have so much love and community um, in the world of sports. You know, you've got football, basketball, soccer, baseball, gaming, Formula One, UFC, boxing, like the the world of sports, and, I, and I'm missing so many, but mm -hmm. the, the world of sports and activity which you know is, is so encompassing and i i feel like i'm almost not answering your question still because this does involve the world of fitness but we we saw that we had in in our own friend group had such a community and such a shared love and passion for these things and realized there are so many people out there that would love to be a part of a community i think that intrinsically people uh humans like to be included and so we took it upon ourselves that we have been in the development of a project that, again, is centered around the 
process of building a community for people that love different avenues of sport. Um, so that, that's been something recently that's been really exciting. Um, now, are you talking full VR, AR, you put it on, yeah. and now you are playing the sport that you want to so play at the, an elite level? Yeah, so there's definitely the possibility for the development of that within the project. Mm-hmm. Um, we have gotten an opportunity to speak to some very, very cool organizations. I don't know that I'm allowed to disclose them, but since we have launched our project, which launched last Wednesday, I don't remember the exact date, um, we have gathered a following of 55,000 active members in our Discord, uh, approximately. Mm-hmm. Um, we have about 12,000 followers on our Twitter, and so we are preparing to launch that first phase of our NFTs. Um, it's been super exciting, and um, yeah, getting to, getting to talk with some of these um, entities in the sport world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that is absolutely a possibility of developing um, our metaverse and then just kind of seeing where the community wants to take the project. Again, we, we as um, the founders of the project, we definitely had a blocked out timeline and have, have multiple phases of where we expect the project to go. Mm-hmm. But when we created this, the biggest thing that we were intended on focusing on was the community. Mm-hmm. And we looked at a lot of projects that did well and some that didn't do as well. And the, the biggest common denominator that we realized was the projects that we're going to do well and that are doing well and that have a foresight of longevity have both utility. So in other words, something that the project can be used for mm-hmm. and then a involved community-based roadmap. Mm-hmm. And, and so essentially, you know, involving everybody that wants to be in on this project to say, hey, this is, you are a part of this and we want you to help guide us into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we, we would love to see full integration with VR and AR. Um, we definitely have plans right now for metaverse integration um, and you know Web3 capabilities. And um, yeah, so the, the, the project design has just a lot of potential and development for people that are involved and interested in uh, a variety of things. If you're interested in NFTs, we've got a spot for you. If you're interested in sports, we've got a spot for you. If you're interested in the potential that cryptocurrencies have, both in uh, staking and DAO opportunities and uh, you know things of that likeness, mm-hmm. we have a spot for you too. So we, we definitely want to create a community that is very inclusive mm-hmm. and provides an avenue for more than one person to mm. want to be involved. Excellent. Yeah, that's so great. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic aspect. Now, full dis- full full stop NFT cryptocurrency, all of that stuff flies thousands of feet above my head. Would like, you would you like a bit of a explanation? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I do what I do understand. I know a kind of like an uh, idea of ca- it. an idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what I do appreciate about it is that it is very community oriented yeah. it always sort of circles back or cycles back to yeah. that idea that um, we as a group of people want to share we want to be included we want to be included we, we want to be a part of something and it's not even like a, I want to see behind the curtain so I can see how, how the sausage is made yeah exactly like not <laughs> yeah. only do I want to see how the sausage is made but I want to make the sausage yeah I want to help I want to like grab the stuff that goes into the sausage um, <laughs> 
all of those things. Wh- which is what? What is? It? <laughs> uh, you know, it's um. It's, so it's, it's, it's non fungible tokens yeah. really. So it's just like a one to one. It's yeah. a, it, and then. <laughs> You, the, the blockchain, it's just like it's chains. I gotcha. of, It's chains of blocks, Lego blocks, Roblox. Let's uh, let's Lego. talk about it off camera. No. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we we are off camera. Oh, off mic. Off mic. Off mic. Um, off mic. Off mic. <laughs> so you do a lot. You're yeah, coaching yeah. here. You train clients. You go to school. You're working on this side hustle. <laughs> it's a project. That's yeah, also yeah. It's a project, a, yeah. and I'm sure you have a bunch of other things under yeah. your under your purview of that you do. How do you experience burnout, and how do you navigate? That? Oh, yeah, I, I, I experience burnout. Um, man, I when I experience burnout, it's very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've started to notice and and develop <laughs> ways to prevent it. I notice that if I am burning out, um, I sacrifice myself. Mm-hmm. So I will. And, and and this is for any of my clients out there listening, or for anybody that is training that's experiencing it on their own. Mm-hmm. I I train for a living right now, mm-hmm. and even even I have faced burnout situations and have stopped training mm-hmm. for two weeks. Or uh, I, you know, at one point I burnt out about two years ago. I stopped training altogether for a little over a month. Mm-hmm. Um, I have noticed that if I am getting burnt out, and I'm I'm trying to get better about it as much as I can. Um, to to reset myself to find things that I enjoy mm-hmm. and also to listen to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I love training and as, as much as I promote it to people that I train and, and you know to people that are just interested in things like that, because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's great for your health, but at the same time, if you're sitting there and you are just in just agonizing state of being just mentally and physically – um, with training or I would say with anything with work or with something that you're working on or, um, anything like that, I I would say it's going to be big to find things that you enjoy. Um, I try to keep very set goals for what's going on, but then I also, um, allow myself room to, uh, I, and I mess up isn't the best word, but I, I allow room for freedom within that. Mm. And so, yeah, if, you know, when, when I hit those walls, it's, I try to find a way to bring myself in. I listen to my body. I listen to my mind. I find things that are going to be good for me mentally and physically. Um, and then I just give it time and make sure that I can work my way back into the things that I enjoy. Yeah, I think that that's – I talk with Kelsey about this a lot. Um, or rather, they, they – when I am in these burnout moments yeah, and when yeah. I am um, sort of spiraling, they do a great job of – reaffirming the sort of present state of things and sort of the present state of the world in which we live in and that for a lot of us there was this external hard reset of 2020 very much so and still living in a sort of post-covid world yeah take what you will because it's it's still (laughs) yeah yeah, Um, (laughs) but rather like the post lockdown the post 2020 i should say um and that the positive opportunity that it allows us is this the space to genuinely sit down and assess where mental health exists for each one of us yeah and i think that particularly and how i've taken that as a trainer is like personally i certainly could do a lot better at prioritizing that but also incorporating that into the conversation i have with 
clients. Because I yeah. think even before that, there was never a talk of like, hey, if you're not feeling great mentally, sometimes working out is not the thing that's going to help. Yeah. And, um, and that's okay. And yeah. embracing that and embracing that full, embracing that into the fold of conversation. Whereas yeah. before it's like, no way, man. Yeah. If you're feeling bad, if you're feeling down on yourself, just go do, just go do 600 pushups. Then yeah. you'll feel better. Right. I, um, I, I, I love that. And mm-hmm. it, so when I was at A&M, uh, one of the professors that I learned from, he's one of my favorite people in the world. I hope he hears this cause he probably doesn't even remember me, but his, his, being in his class and learning from him changed my life. Mm-hmm. His name is Dr. Arnold Leunis, and he taught a sports psychology class at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I learned so much from that class about what it means to be an athlete, but more so what it means to be a coach and the role that we play in the lives of clients and athletes. Mm-hmm. And it has absolutely um, formed my training philosophies and has had a huge role in the way that I approach clients. And, and, and I mean, all over the place from, you know, if I'm working with a client that is a a high profile athlete and Mm -hmm. needs certain levels of training versus if I'm working with somebody that is, um, you know, what you would consider like a general population, somebody Mm -hmm. that is training for fitness, hopefully they've set some sort of goal or objective that we're working towards, but yeah, I mean, I, um, even especially recently, you know, I think the holidays are always a hard time. The new year is a hard time. Um, and it's been conversations that I've had with clients where coming in, it's how, how, are, how are you? Mm-hmm. And asking that with intent, like mm-hmm. how really, how are you? Mm-hmm. Do you, do you feel good today? Are you enjoying what we're doing? Do you want to train today? Do you, what, what would you like to do? Are you still interested? Are you still having fun? I, I tell every single client that I meet with when I sit down that there is no one training philosophy that I subscribe to. Mm-hmm. I think that um, being in the position that I am and having the success, success that I've had um, has required me to continue to adapt and learn new ways to help and train people. And one of the biggest things that I tell everybody is that whatever your goal is, we can achieve it. And there's not, there's not one certain way that I'm going to tell you, you have to do it. Mm -hmm. So this journey of training is going to be completely transparent. And I want to build a relationship with you where you feel comfortable coming to me and saying, Hey Nick, I really appreciate what you're doing, but I'm not enjoying this. Mm -hmm. And if that means that we change how we're training or what we're doing, awesome. If it means that I need to point you in the direction of another resource, maybe training isn't what you need to do right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe you really need to focus on some other component in your life. And if I can help direct you in any way like that, you you are by no means going to hurt my feelings or upset me if it means that we have to stop training momentarily. Mm-hmm. I I would much rather prioritize the longevity and the overall well-being of the people that I get a chance to work with than I would just getting a chance for you to come in and work out with me if that's not what you need. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think in the in the discussion of mental health, I think as trainers, we fulfill a role in a lot of these people's lives mm-hmm. of motivation. Yes. Um, and then also, I think it, we just have a great opportunity to get to know people and, and get to talk to them. Mm-hmm. So many people go, 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 go all day. Um, and, and they're, and they're bogged down with responsibilities and, and work and, and things that just everybody in life encounters. And I think, um, for a lot of clients, 
and not this is not to say in a in a licensed way. I'm not I'm not a therapist or a counselor mm-hmm. or anything, but I do think for a lot of people they come in and this can be a, a bit therapeutic, mm-hmm. and they just get a, a chance to just deload. And yeah. my, one of my biggest goals as a trainer is to again, like I said, create a relationship where they feel comfortable. I don't want you to to be planning your day out and think to yourself, "Oh my God, I do not want to go and work out with Nick. Like I'm just not ready for that." Um, but, but instead I want them to think, okay, well, I'm not really in the mood to work out today, but I've got this scheduled and you know what? I can go in and talk to Nick and we can figure out something to do. And I bet he'll give me something that will just, hopefully I can feel a little bit better. I can get moving and get an opportunity to do something. Yeah. And that's like, that is the absolute first thing that I always, always say to every person that I work with is number one. All I, I'm not even asking you to do anything. All I'm asking is that you show up. Yeah. You show up. Yeah. And then we can have a conversation about what needs to happen that day. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. I've had, yeah, I've had days where it's turned into just sometimes people just want to sit down and talk. Yeah. And just like sometimes they just need someone to listen to. Yeah. Someone who, to listen to them. And I yeah. think what makes trainers particularly helpful in this avenue is that for a lot of our clients we are people who are there to help them like yeah. in in the sense of I'm not here to help you it's like I'm not here to help you do blah 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 it is I am here for you we are here together to help you achieve yeah. your goals and yeah. I don't think a lot of people either in community or even in be due to responsibility due to just the way that we navigate this life I don't think a lot of people have someone in their lives who it's like, look, I'm here for you right now. Truly, yeah. truly. You, we, can, we can learn more about each other as we continue to grow, but for right now, for this hour, for yeah. this hour and a half, I'm here for you. Yeah. You genuinely, 100%. I, yeah, I agree. I think that we, uh, we, we get a very cool opportunity in what we do to mm-hmm. be a very unique piece of someone's life. Yeah. Somebody that is um, com- completely non-biased, it you know it doesn't matter if you come in and you're like you know mad at a friend or mad at a spouse or you're mad at your job. Mm-hmm. Um, there there at least in in the way that I practice there's there's no um, I'm, I'm not going to go tell your job that you're mad at what's going on you know right now. I you know do. if you, I take detailed notes of yeah. everything that <laughs> I, I get I make sure that I can report them to the employer. But <laughs> yeah. yeah you know I try to I again I just tell them like. I, I want you to enjoy what we do. I want your time spent here to be used um, to, to benefit you. And if that means we come in and for an hour and a half we sweat and we work out and we lift weights and we, and we do whatever training is necessary, awesome. Mm-hmm. But if we come in and you just don't feel good and maybe you just want to talk a little bit, let's mobilize, let's, let's do something that um, can just give you an avenue to talk and relax, take your mind off of it and like you said, for just an hour or an hour and a half of the day, find a little bit of peace mm-hmm. that is not exactly like you said. Like, I'm here for you. Yeah. You don't owe me anything right mm-hmm. now. If you if you feel good enough to show up, awesome. And let's start from there. Yeah, and it's this fa- fantastic parallel track of sort of like kinesthetic first or body first approaches to therapy and healing. Yeah. Like, um, because... You know, there's the great book, The Body Keeps the Score. Yeah. I highly recommend it for anyone who's never read it. Dr. 
Bessel van der Kolk, um, but he talks about how we physiologically hold on to stress trauma yeah. and all of these ways and that in talk therapy it's always from the top down yeah checking with the brain the thoughts the mind all of these things and then checking it from there and exploring from there yeah but the body holds on to a lot of that stuff and so yeah. if you just get the body moving and releasing tension yeah ultimately something good will come of it either feeling if you're feeling stuck or frustrated at someone moving your body then you can think of that frustration in a different way or yeah. that frustration then sort of alleviates or you're yeah you're so locked in your own your own self that getting out getting and getting active and moving it's hard yeah yeah it gets you out of your own way and i think that that's probably the single most important thing for me philosophically from movement and from training is that it just gets us out of our own heads sometimes yeah yeah, yeah i agree i think mm -hmm. that it's a, a, a fitness and movement are just yeah a great escape mm -hmm. and um i think that providing that for others is huge because that's uh, you know part of it too is creating an environment where a lot of people are nervous to train Mm -hmm. They they don't know what they're doing or they're unsure in what they're doing and you know a lot of people you know deal with all sorts of you know body image issues and mm -hmm. confidence issues mm -hmm. so sometimes getting them in the door is is half the battle and yeah. then just sitting there and saying here's the objective for what we're doing mm -hmm. you can do this yeah. and building that confidence you know and and letting some of that stress that we're holding on to or trauma mm -hmm. or just lack of confidence like let these things build positively to help you see like yes. i'm capable yeah mm -hmm. i can do this yes yes yeah, i think you know it's I, I i believe much more in building up the people that come to train with me than breaking them down i yeah. I, I don't want somebody coming in and be like i can never do the workouts that you you know put me on because they're just too hard I, my, my goal is never to sit here and defeat you. Now I'm going to challenge you. And, mm -hmm. and, and as we progress, we'll, we will set objectives that require you to push yourself mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. But but my goal is to never sit here and make you leave from a session and go, oh, just another day with Nick. Just yeah. another thing that I wasn't able to do. You know, that's, <laughs> that's the last thing I want to do. That's how, how defeating. You know yeah. what I mean? Especially for somebody that like, like we're talking about right now. Mm -hmm might just be looking for an opportunity to find a win in their day. Yes. You know what I mean? Give yes. give them a win. Give them something to work towards and let them leave and be like, "Dude, you had a great day." Mm -hmm. You you and fi finding those bright spots within the session. Yeah. And saying, "You did this, you did this, you did this. Mm -hmm. This was an awesome hour of the day. Good job." Yeah. And I think too uh, a challenge I always try to incorporate both in myself and then in subsequently in clients is expanding the pool of goals and objectives. I think a lot of people I like that. That's cool, yeah. come into fitness particularly with a very limited pool of goals. Yeah. Lose weight, gain muscle, get stronger, get faster, all of these things. And that's fantastic. Yeah. Those are all fantastic goals, but to me they're so limited. Yeah. And I I want to expand people's understandings of goals surrounding fitness to where it yeah. doesn't have to be this one-to-one -one objective of I want to lose 25 pounds now again to reiterate weight loss goals fantastic yeah. but if you can expand that to I want to look at myself in the mirror and feel confident that is yeah. still that is just as valid 
of a goal to get to as a body composition goal. Yeah, and and I think a lot of times too, you're you're playing with a very, you know, we're we're playing with a very dynamic role because, mm-hmm. you know, you you then get into the the topic, uh, and the, and this is you know definitely more on that um, you know like educated base mm-hmm. level of like thinking as a trainer like okay I, I need to make sure that I am being very careful with the way that I am presenting um, you know patterns of thought mm-hmm. and behaviors and attitudes towards training and eating mm-hmm. um, because it, as us being a voice of guidance we have a very volatile role to mm-hmm. ensure that we help these people create a relationship with themselves and with these behavior patterns to not have an objective like, okay, if I do need to lose 25 pounds, that's okay. But mm-hmm. what happens if I am in perfect health and I've only lost 18 pounds? Yeah. You know, helping helping relay that the number is maybe not always what we need to. And mm-hmm. and again, the, the, it's, it is for certain a case-to-case thing. Yeah. Um, you know, if you come to me and you have a primary physician that has said you need to lose this much weight and we're we're doing it because we are you know working you towards something else okay understood Mm -hmm. and let's make sure we keep that line of communication open but if it's just something that that person is like well i i used to weigh this much and i know i felt good when i did that you know like you said let's let's make sure you just feel comfortable in your skin and Mm -hmm. and emphasize the accomplishment of feeling good yeah, and 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 not not letting us get to a point where it's like, well, man, I look good, but I can only imagine I I would probably look so much better if I lost seven more pounds. Yes, you know, well, we we might not need that, mm-hmm. and that's okay, mm-hmm. you know. And the dangerous cycle of what that turns into of yeah. oh, I'd look better seven more pounds than seven than seven. Yeah, and seven it, and it is. Then. Yeah, it's a very a very you're 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 playing with very uh, dangerous yeah. elements, and then because people put their trust in us that mindfulness in terms of how we have conversations surrounding fitness and nutrition where it turns in to where we can avoid the trappings of someone misconstruing our words yeah. to then further fall into uh, I'm thinking mainly with nutrition but like disordered eating habits of like yeah. oh man Nick was saying that one of his favorite snacks is watermelon. Okay, so I'm just gonna eat watermelon for a whole week, and then yeah. that way I'll lose weight. It's like, good God, no, that's so dangerous. Yeah, like, yeah. or or even yeah. you know, even developing primary training dependencies, where yeah. you know, you you could have a client come in that is having great success, but is starting to ask you, well, what more can I do? And mm-hmm. you know, even after an hour and a half of rigorous training, might be going in running two miles, and then going to another gym and doing their own workout, and you know, so it's flip side of you know yes n- nutrition's big but mm-hmm. even the training habits you've got to you've got to make sure that you're yeah. helping them establish appropriate practices and boundaries and um, just setting the expectation and not not letting them get um, too carried away or or thinking that the only way that I can reach my goal um, is is by you know expediting this process and I need I need to add another session onto my day and I need to yes. do this and this and this you know it's and that and that's a huge shift that I've made both in personally in my yeah. own um, training and then with my clients as well of prioritizing patience yeah because with fitness especially if you have body composition goals 
they're gonna take what they're gonna take. Like yeah. if you're if you're trying to lose a certain amount of weight in eight weeks, that's so unsustainable. So then the minute you get to that goal and you allow yourself some relaxation, you'll go right back. Yeah. And or cycle back into a place that you don't want to be in. And so yeah. how can we how can we get to a place where we sustain in the goal zone? So yeah. it's not just yay, I landed there, hooray, then I do something else and <laughs> Immediately I'm come out. Of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, how do we, how do we get to that, s- sustain our lives inside of that goal zone? I think, and yeah. that's patience. Su- patience. Sustainability, patience, and focus of longevity. Yes. You know, don't, one, one day of, you know, not your best performance in a training session mm-hmm. does not define the length of your lifetime of health exactly. and... And, and that's even something that, you know, from the last time you and I talked has yeah. been a huge focus, even of mine, of it's okay if I need to take two weeks off mm-hmm. to reset my mind, reassess my goals, and yeah. get myself into a rhythm that I know is going to be sustainable. Mm-hmm. Because two weeks in the bigger picture of everything is, is, is not the rest of my life. And it is hard, especially when there is this sort of shift in goals of yeah. like, oh, I had a certain – like right now my goal is – Planch. The plant, yeah. Planch. Oh, yeah. I've been planch, seeing planch, it. Planch. I've been seeing it. But because of that, I'm not doing as much sort of like bodybuilding or strength training that I was, or the style of strength training that I was before this. And right. So the the shift in mindset that I have to make is that I I want to avoid looking at my new goal from the standards of my previous goal. Yeah, it's that's like so. That's, yeah, yeah, that's such like, a good. What yeah. does Albert Einstein say? It's like you can't judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree. Yeah, <laughs> and it's the same thing with our goals. Like if we're, if your goal was to gain ten pounds of muscle, you can't apply the same standards to that if you're trying to lose ten pounds of fat, right? Yeah, because yeah. then it just doesn't matter. It doesn't match. Or, or, or even yeah. you know, like you said, do, doing ten pounds of muscle, but then you're like, well, but I also want to be an ultra marathoner. Yes. Or, 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 I, or I used to be an ultra marathoner. It's like, yeah. you know, there, there's a certain balance, a, a yin and yang that you've got to find. Yeah, and that, like, number one's goal-setting mode of smart goals is yes. specific. Yeah. Specific, speci- specificity yeah. breeds results. Yeah. 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 Hey, where can people get in touch with you? So you can get in touch with me. My phone number is one two three four five six. No 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 no, no bitch. Wait. Um, so let me. I'm gonna pull up my Instagram really quick. I I forgot my Instagram handle, which that's great. Um, so <laughs> a- anybody that is hearing this that would like to get in touch with me as far as personal social medias, my personal Instagram is at nick. That's n i c k dot height h i g h t underscore so that's nick.height underscore and then from there you could reach out to my email if you want to contact me for any sort of uh, training inquiries or anything like that it's nicholas n-i-c-k-o-l-a-s height h-i-g-h-t at gmail.com and then my twitter if you want to follow me on twitter it's just at nick height underscore spelled the same way as my instagram just no dot in between the nick and height so that's all that. If you do reach out, then I can give you my personal phone number. Maybe we won't put that out there just for today, but massive amounts of creativity with your username. I do have to say, no, yeah, that's great. I really, you, really, you really got have the streamlined the brand of Nick Height. You're, so you're now gonna find me. You just look up Nick Height and you will find him. I'm, I'm gonna be somewhere. Somewhere, <laughs> you know, LinkedIn, 
Instagram. I am on LinkedIn, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you are, Daddy Yankee, 422 yeah. Don't look me up on my face. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks so much, Nick. Thank you, um, Thank you all for listening. Be sure to follow at FTW Strong for all of your Fort Worth Strong workouts, workshops, nutrition advice, podcast updates, and just being a part of the herd. Thanks so much, y'all, for listening. Uh, I love you. Have a great day. <laughs> Goodbye. And now has ended great. That was great, man. That was so yes. good.